tr- build plans to not allow them to cause issues. Yeah. Hmm. For sure. Interesting. 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 <clears throat> I learned something. <laughs> but let me know what you think. Hello, hello, everybody. All right. Hello, hello. As everybody comes on in, I am finally feeling a little bit better. Yeah, I know, right? We do need to do more polls. That would be a really good idea to start the stream with a poll. Um Trying to get over this cold still. Trying to get over over this cold. Yeah, Jinjuru, the uh that is a pre-recorded video. Um, I do have a little ponytail, I think. Maybe it fell out. I'm not sure. No, I can't do it on the streaming software that I'm using right now. But we're going to get right into it, uh, and I will get the intro out of the way. Let me see where Malia is. Some people really think that, like, when we switch from that video over to the live, that... uh, Oh, I'm sending a recorded message. Some people really think that when we switch over from the live over to the true crime talk show, that uh, that it was literally one right after another. Um, just because I, I think that's how a lot of creators are out there. True crime creators are out there is they're either always doing lives like. um, um like i don't know who who always does lives out there um but normally you're like a live creator where you're always going live or you're doing pre-recorded video content so um 
I, I don't think it's as common to have somebody that does both equally just as much. Actually, we we probably do more uh, pre-recorded content with our breaking news and everything. So, but uh, all right, I want to give a shout out to. Um, let me see here to the Reddit community, and like we've been doing, uh, the subreddit forward slash Brian Koberger. Moscow, make sure that you guys check this out because we know how many of our viewers are obsessed with the Idaho 4 case, right? And uh, it is the main case that we're covering right now. There's always going to be one main case that we're really digging into more than the rest of them. And each week we cover uh, multiple different true crime cases and cover them, you know, in that story detail breakdown um, format. But when it comes to the Idaho 4 case, the active case that we're working right now, our main case, like, you know, how most investigators do it, police investigators, they have a main case they're working on. And then they have other cases that might be open and they're continuing to focus on, but not that same kind of intention and focus as the main case they're working. That's essentially how we're doing it here. So, um, you know, with the Idaho 4 case, there are quite a few subreddits out there, and so many people have responded to us, and I've seen the complaints online that uh, if uh, – can you get around that? Um, with the new layout of our studio, um, which is almost done. We just have a couple more things. We just have to get a sign and stuff like that. But anyways, going back to the subreddits, uh, they are not – open theory open hypothesis open opinion friendly it's it's either if you want to be in this group you have to think like us and believe like us or we are going to attack you and kick you out right well this is not one of those communities this is an amazing community that i feel like has been kind of getting bombarded by the same uh, kind of people that are in those other communities and that just comes with the territory but we've got them some really good growth here so if you're on reddit make sure you check them out and uh you know it, it, there is so much good conversation going on in here and uh you know it, if you're not on reddit and you don't like aggressive communication being thrown at you uh, I, I don't suggest you join Reddit because Reddit is like the worst place for that, for people thinking that they know everything and putting everybody else down to prove that they know everything. <laughs> so, but if you want to just join one subreddit, I suggest that you join Brian Koberger Moscow and add us and follow us, uh, Thought Riot Podcast as well. So, uh, yeah, and uh, getting into the intro here, welcome everybody, this is the True Crime Talk Show, the one and only, the one and only True Crime Talk Show, all right, brought to you by Thought Riot Podcast, my name is Brendan. And I am Malia, welcome to the show. And welcome to the show. No, that's going to be my line from now on, because all I get to say is I'm Malia. And <laughs> okay. Okay. Fair. We can do it that way. Or I'll say, and welcome to the, and you can say show. No. Okay. 
<laughs> I'm going to say welcome to the show. Sounds good. All right. So um, our main podcast, right? And this is uh, the true crime talk show started after the main podcast, our main podcast, which is incredible. We have so many great viewers. It gets tons of views internationally and worldwide. We've been in the top five in multiple different countries for true crime podcasts. It is the one and only thought, right? True crime and criminal culture podcast. You can find it on all major podcast platforms. We're talking Spotify, Amazon, Google, Apple, uh, all of them, literally all of them. The, the, those podcast platforms that we hit the top five and top 10 internationally in these other countries were platforms I didn't even know of. But one of them was uh, was uh, very similar to Spotify looking, but it had some kind of different name or whatever. So anyways, it was interesting. And uh, yeah, welcome to the show, everybody. Um. <laughs> Hi, hey, everybody. Um, I just saw your thumbnail for the True Crime Talk Show. Mm -hmm. This one right here. <laughs> it's cracking me up. Why? Because you put Brian Koberger's face <laughs> investigator lady. Yeah, I definitely did. And a guy with horns. Yeah. Do you know who that is? Yeah, I know who that is. Scott it's Green. Yep. Yep. Making a deal with the devil, baby. <laughs> what is Scott Green up to shaking hands with this devil looking character? You heard it here first. He literally made a deal with the devil. Yes. As you can see, we the, have the receipts. This is a live picture. Like I, I know. just took this. I know. He just graduated college and I just took <laughs> this. So. Yeah, it it is funny. His last to green. It all leads to money. Which is green. <laughs> I, I mean, you're you're preaching to the choir. Scott I Green know. is money, baby. <laughs> yes, money, baby. And uh, what's up, Ar? And thanks for being here, members. We appreciate hey, you. Hey, Ar. Sorry, interrupted you. Thanks for being here, members. What? We appreciate you being here. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. We appreciate all of you. All of you, all of you, all of you. So what is on the docket today? So we just watched the subjectivity versus objectivity video, which is really just the opener for part two and part three coming out. We just recorded part two and we're going to be recording part three, which really digs into like the scientific uh direction of true crime and true crime investigations and i i don't know about you guys i don't know how that video is going to do the subjectivity versus objectivity but science topics nerdy topics uh wearing your glasses you know with tape in the middle topics uh those are literally my favorite topics like i love them science is one area that i can let my brain go free you know what i mean there there are no walls on it there there are it's just an ever-expanding world and i'm obsessed with the science of true crime and that's one thing that i personally feel like that i look at very 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 differently from a lot of other true crime creators out there where don't get me wrong do i enjoy the drama? Do I enjoy the gossip aspects of the true crime community? Sure, I'm going to watch that stuff. 
But when I want to really expand my mind, right, when I don't want to watch the gossipy, cheesy subjectivity type topics in the true crime community, I want to be able to expand my mind and, and go heavy into the science. And that's what it allows me to do, the science of it. You know what I mean? For sure. So we are going to uh, dive into it here. And um, let me see. We're going to dive into it. Oh, yeah. Trust me, RN. I've been there. All right. Um, but, uh, so yeah, we're going to get into some of the questions around the community and, uh, the benefits of the subjectivity in the community, or is all this focus hurting the community when it comes to Idaho for the Brian Koberger case? And uh, are there times where the overwhelming gossipy drama subjectivity of the true crime community are there times that even though it gets muddy and weighed down and and back and forth drama and this and that is there every once in a while like a big heaping pile of doo-doo and a flower pops out of it you know what i mean it is there adding benefit to these cases or is it all harm are we just throwing poo-poo I mean, I think a lot of people think that way, that it is all harmful, that speculation just hurts everyone involved. Um, but I don't think that way. I mean, I don't think that way either. And the reason being, the reason why I don't think that way is because the work that we're doing and the job that we're doing on true crime cases, and I need to take my glasses off for this one is the same thing that investigators and police are doing identical a badge doesn't make you more true a badge doesn't make you more fact you're not factier of all the facts just because you're wearing a badge you know what i mean so why is that perception there i mean why is there this comment that we see all the time like let the investigators do their work why because it's their job okay but i'm not asking to get paid for it true so why doesn't what what you know what i mean like where's the benefit there i mean there have been cases of vigilante justice that have turned out bad but we aren't doing vigilante you're right you're right we are investigating which goes back to my point is where i think you're having a hard time trying to find a downside to it <laughs> i'm trying to think because i don't think there is a downside to it i can't think of one i think the only downside ego. is the only downsides that i see is hurt feelings yeah ego it's hurt feelings like and it depends on who those hurt feelings who has those hurt feelings that matters to me because if it's the cops i don't care like they're public servants but right when it comes to the victims families and all of that um that's where i can start to see some harm when you have really outlandish speculations that call into question the integrity 
um, illegal activities of family members and people involved who are completely innocent. Do you think? Do and I'm glad you said that, Ginger, because I agree with you, and I am going to go there. I am going to go there. I'm just laying some groundwork first. Um, but um, I lost my point in responding to that. Um, but uh, so, do you think? That Okay, there's my point. Just took me a second there. So do you think in those situations, though, that the theories are the problem like people like to make it sound like? Is it actually the theory that's the problem or is it the people that are overstepping boundaries by reaching out to these families and nonstop bothering them? Because if I had to guess, I think the second one is the problem. I think the second one is the biggest problem. However, I could see how it could be hurtful, re-traumatizing to constantly see when you go online things but that's that are untrue, choice. untrue about um, the people involved in the crime, your loved one or whatever. But in the same respect, like I think that you have to learn to be above that kind of stuff. Well, because if no one's twisting their arm to watch it. You're right. You don't have to look at it. You can click out of it. You don't have to focus on it. Like, for instance, the Chapins have completely disconnected from all of that. And That's are moving probably on what I would do. with their lives and are leaving that behind. They're not involved in the online drama. They're not involved in the politics of this case as far as we can see. Um I mean, I guess some could argue they might be involved in some of the politics of the case. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I gotcha. Maybe. But um, they're not involved in all this the same way the Gonzalez family are. Yeah. Um, so I I don't know. I, I think you're right. Part of it is a personal choice um, to focus on things like that. And I... I just I've never been in that situation personally where I've had a case blow up to this magnitude and it's about one of my loved ones who's gone. So it's hard for me to put myself in their shoes. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. I just when I'm when I'm looking at the situation. Right. And I'm looking at through salesman lens trying to uh, break down and analyze the situation. Nobody's twisting their arm to watch that content now. Do we have platforms now like YouTube where we didn't used to have them, right? So you're going to be able to see everybody's opinion. But do you think opinions and theories and speculation is something new to humanity? No. Exactly. Not at all. Exactly. Before YouTube, you had the community going to the corner coffee shop and gossiping. Well, their mornings away before work yeah exactly for instance i just spent time with my grandma and you know other people who are elderly in my family and everything is gossip like that's how they live their lives like it's just not isolated to the internet alone like getting on social media and watching gossip it's everything is gossipy like did you hear about that lady her old man's in a nursing home and like I know. <laughs> Why does this sound like gossip? That's horrible. <laughs> I know. I yeah. know. And and what's interesting, like what I keep going back to, too, is that if I can scientifically and objectively 
prove that what we're doing and what the true crime community in general is doing, regardless of if you are uh, talking mainly about tin hat topics. And again, I've said this a million times and I'll say it again, that tin hat is just a way that it's a social definition of saying these more extreme theories that people have of true crime in general. Right. Um, but is it just a different way of presenting that? Um, and, and they're doing the same exact things that what you're talking about there or that the police are doing in their own walls. I have an inkling, weird word, that it is. I think we're all doing the same <coughs> thing. So why is one okay and not the other? And rem reminder here, the one that most people like to say, hey, just let the investigators do their jobs, is the one that we own. And it is our job to make sure that they're held accountable and our job to make sure and audit their work. And it's our job to make sure they are actually serving the public. So again, right. what's wrong? Well, I think an important thing to mention here is the statistics on police corruption. What were they again? Absurd. They are absolutely absurd. Right now, there isn't. When I was doing my research, there wasn't a 2023 statistic on what the average police corruption was nationally like there is in the 70s. In the 70s, it was like 70% of police forces were corrupt. And then you said it moved up to 50 at a certain well, point. Well, moved down. It started oh, yeah. moving down. Right. Once, they, once they got into the 80s and 90s. We saw a decrease in corruption. There was a major cleanup and things like that. Um, but that doesn't mean corruption isn't there. And you got to remember, 70% is like Dude, an absurd percentage. Even 50%. That's literally a coin toss of yeah, whether you're going to get a dirty cop, whether you're going to get a dirty cop or not. Um, and it makes you stuff. it makes you question what the statistics are currently right now. I see ZJ saying it's seventeen percent currently. That's still quite a lot. Um, it's still a lot. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I, I don't, don't know. I don't think it's seventeen percent nationally currently. Uh, I would be curious to see that stat. I don't. So. They stopped putting those stats out there, and I think it's oh, for gosh. a reason. So I would be curious where that stat is coming from is my only question if uh, that is. So, um, but, yeah, it goes back to what we were saying into the objectivity or subjectivity. Does I think it it's higher than 17% too. Does it matter where somebody's investigating a case and – that uh, and where they're gaining their subjectivity or objectivity in their investigation from is it really much different than somebody that's on the internet and has a, a very good eye for detail and is filtering through pictures and papers and reading and investigating and connecting dots and drawing conclusions, working hypotheses, coming up with theories, trying to make connections and figure these things out. Is that different than some investigator with a badge? Yeah. 
I don't think so. I think it's exactly the same well, thing. I think that the process of looking into things may be the same, but here's where like where I'm going with it is that the public only gets access to public information. And we don't have a badge. We don't have the same training they have. We don't have the same access that so they have. You're going down the so, information. So, yes, they're entitled to be able to do their investigation, have access to those things that they use, their techniques, their forensic science laboratories, all, all that stuff. They have access to all of that stuff, and they should, and they should be able to do their investigation. But I don't think us out here... Um, investigating hinders their investigation. If anything, exactly. it's only an asset and we're not digging into their literal evidence. Like our hands aren't in that. We're only going off of what they release. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, our hands should be in that just to be clear. It absolutely should be in that. And I don't think that they're transparent enough with the fact I that mean, we physically, own them. Yeah. Physically hindering. I'm, right, right, right. No, I'm saying that we're not physically analyzing evidence ourselves. We're not physically going to crime scenes and collecting evidence. That's their Gat job. Evidence gathering. And to, I mean, it's not, yeah. it's not investigator's job. Well, I mean, they handle all of it. They oversee all of it. Yes, yeah. there's specific people that do specific jobs. So my point is, is that those investigative teams and their forensic science teams, they all handle all of that stuff and they do their investigation and put it together and we can't do any of that. Like, we can't go to the crime scene and do any of that. Yeah. yeah and they can but, because they're qualified to so, do it. They have right, the training to do going, it. You're going down the, the path of, like, a, an amount of evidence. Because it doesn't... I'm not... The, I don't care about an amount. They, it, as long as they know evidence is evidence, it, the fact that they have access to a crime scene, sure, makes them more likely to solve a case. But when you're analyzing a piece of evidence, the difference between them and what we're doing here, there is none. Their access doesn't mean anything. That's, Their badge doesn't mean anything. We're not trying to arrest anybody. That's my whole point is we don't. So we're not hindering their investigation we're not going in there messing with the crime scene right we're not trying to arrest different. anybody like we're only going off of what they publicly release yeah i mean any information we get that can be verified right yeah they don't need to release it i'm just saying the only information that we or any of us have access to is public information Things that are posted to Not the internet, always, but I, people I hear you. I that have come saying. out and spoke. Yes, in anybody. Yeah, I hear you. But when there's not a single person that has access to some top secret information and draw connections and investigate things and come up with evidence that is not just public evidence that everybody has in information. Yeah, we're focusing on two different things. Yeah, I for sure. I don't think we are. You just started going down like the the access route when you're missing the idea of the comparison between the two i'm not missing the idea i'm the point of all of that was you asked that a there question. is no difference and you're pointing out yeah. the differences in like it, how it's they meant have to access. be it's meant to be a it's just meant to be an addition to your initial question of is it harmful are we doing okay. harm Okay. Not okay. about your comparison. Okay. Okay. So yeah, then we are talking about two different things. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Well, now I'm lost in the conversation. <laughs> Okay. Because I left, I stopped talking about that like a long time ago. I was still thinking about it the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. I okay. kind of figured this conversation was all of those things. Yeah. I mean, those things that you're pointing out, while all true, does it add any value to what we're talking about? The access to the crime scene and uh, data and things like that. Yeah, I feel like it does add value when you ask the question, are people out here investigating these crimes that aren't investigators that don't have the badge? Are they doing harm by speculating and coming up with theories and things like that? No, I don't think so. Right. We right, only right. point we only mentioned the hurt feelings thing, but I want I thought it was important to say like there, we're we're only having access to what's publicly available to us. Like we don't have access to the crime scene. We don't have access to that information. So how can we hinder their investigation? Yeah, no, I I agree with you. I agree with you 100% on that. I don't think we can hinder their investigation. And I'm more looking at the person aspect of it because yes i think that's a given and i feel like that's an that's obvious right and i'm not trying to minimize what you're saying because it's super important um but i feel like that's a given and, and obvious that people sitting behind a screen or doing their own investigation that's separate from what the investigators are doing it's obvious we're not going to get in their way you know uh um, i don't so think that's why, obvious oh it's so obvious no, how are we going to get in their way? That's what you I'm saying. To, people have to make a connection. So if, if people are saying that we're going to get in their way, then how? Well, that's the argument made a lot of time when we're talking about harm is that people online speculating is hurting the case. Right, right. And that's what I'm sticking to. The idea of theory and speculation, not physically getting in their way, because physically getting in their way is a given. Okay, so then what about the volume of information? The volume doesn't mean anything. No, I mean like online when you have so many rumors circulating and what the cops the cops saying that they have too many leads. That's a lie. You think it's a lie? Absolutely, that's a lie. 100% that's a lie. There's no such thing as too many leads. Then you need to create a better system to manage that. Because you, you, you can't take away people's rights of information. And going back to my original point, a badge doesn't make you more qualified. What makes an investigator more qualified? And I saw somebody say this, and I thought it was interesting, is that... Uh, the training is what makes them qualified, not their badge. So assuming most investigators have training into investigating and all, all aspects of it, right? And there's, there's a million different sub-courses. They're, if they're a good investigator, they're literally continuing their, their training at all times, all the time. And, uh, and, and they will continue that and grow that knowledge or whatever. They are the ones due to that experience that would be in a better position to investigate because of that training. No, I think the training is absolutely what makes them qualified. Yeah. Yeah. 
But that qualification doesn't mean that if you don't have that, you can't investigate. Yeah, my whole point behind talking right? about the physical aspects of all of that was that they have the authority based off of their training and experience to do those things. Okay. So, uh, going back to what I was saying though, um, and to put a gag order on a case so that the public can't hear about it. Yeah. The investigators aren't over that. Um, but no, but they do control what information gets out to the public during their investigation. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. They do. Um, but, uh, so going back to what I was saying though, um, so they completely control the narrative. Yeah. Yeah. You keep making me lose my point because you keep going backwards in the conversation. Okay. I'll try to move forwards now. <laughs> okay. I don't remember where I was. You just, you literally talk like a hundred miles an hour. Duh. So like I'm thinking things as you're talking and I never get to say them. And so then I say them and you're already way ahead. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so. I got you. I know it's a problem. <laughs> I know how fast I talk. I'm telling we, you know, what's interesting is we just had this conversation with the community on our video and, and we were literally talking about the same thing that, you know, you're, you're very intuitive and, and have a subjective nature about you where you're able to, uh, like grasp the ideas of how, what we're saying will be seen by other people. I don't have that in me. For me, I have one speed, 100 miles an hour. All right. And, uh, I, my brain, my mouth is always trying to catch up with my brain. And there's no other way around that. That's just how it is. And a lot of times I'm not even realizing what I'm saying until after the fact. So like understanding my own concepts is back here and what's coming out of my mouth is in front of it. So I got you. I got you. Just tell me to slow down or, you know, keep me on one topic so I don't lose my lose what I'm saying. Yeah. It's keeping it to one topic. That's definitely hard. But yeah. Well, I mean, this is all one topic. I haven't gone off the, the point of the compare and contrast between okay, okay. the police officers and uh, people behind a computer in the true crime community doing their own investigation. Okay. So if we, could, if we could put points on a chart to point out the differences and the similarities, what would be some of the differences? I... You can't That's think of subjective. one. That's subjective. So um, meaning the differences between an investigator and a online interest investigator, it, it's going to be on a person by person basis. So I can't give you information on that. I don't think it's a person by person. Oh, basis. absolutely. It is because the, the techniques that each investigator is using is going to be different. I don't care. I don't think the techniques are what's important. When you're talking about, what? you're talking in. That's like saying, it doesn't matter how you, how you do this science experiment in this way. Like, yes, those techniques are super important. 
Okay, but unless you're thinking of we're my concept different, we're speaking in very general terms because we're not talking about any specific investigator or any specific online investigator or sleuth. We're talking ideas. all of them right. groups. Yeah. We're so talking about ideas. why can't we compare differences and similarities between groups? You can. I just can't compare the differences in an investigator that's in the police force versus an investigator that's behind a computer screen without knowing the person behind the computer screen. I don't think so. I could, I feel like I could point out some differences. Well then share them. I mean, I think for one it's access. Like I was saying before is the yeah, access. That's... And then when you're talking techniques, uh, an investigator is most of the time getting their information from documents and from le tips and from real evidence like reports and things like that a sleuth can get those things but a lot of times it's in it's different it's like a press release where they include some of those things like so we don't still. we don't like it's which that's the obvious well i guess one. i'm thinking and about that's... the coburger case are should we talk about all cases or just the coburger case no we talk about the idaho four case obviously okay so in the coburger case like we haven't got to see autopsy reports which in other cases we do get to see those like 911 call yeah, autopsy but... reports so that would make it not that different but we don't get to see those things right in this case but when you get granular, I'm talking about what's the differences in the way that an investigator investigates something. Okay. So a piece of the crime, like right. what happened before the crime happened on the 13th, okay? And an investigator behind the screen, what's the differences? The access to me doesn't mean anything because you don't need all this access to draw a conclusion. All you need is enough information to draw a conclusion. But isn't that the only real difference is the access? Boom. That's my point. Okay. That is <laughs> okay. my whole point. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is only the access. That's why I'm saying I can't draw any other conclusions. We've already come up with that one. We've already yeah. made that we assessment. Have. <laughs> like, yeah. it is only access. It is. Otherwise, the only difference is a badge and how society looks at the two, which goes back to the problematic nature of society and the way that they look at law enforcement and the justice system, which I'm not trying to go down that path, but... It is problematic. I mean, don't you think another difference would be that there are many sleuths that are they're amateur because they don't have training. So they're they're looking at a case through a lens where they don't have all of these investigative techniques they've learned from training. So. Mm -mm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't believe that because investigative techniques is just another word for science within a, cr a criminal investigation. So do you know your science? Can you draw conclusions? And can you tell the difference between objective information and subjective information uh, while being able to create, compose, and uh, execute hypotheses to build a workable theory? 
if you know how to do that, then how much more investigative training could they have? The only other thing that I'm thinking is uh, the way that you <laughs> have conversations with uh, people that are connected to the case, which we already know the technique that Idaho's using is a very flawed technique and training. Very flawed. The read technique. The read technique. Yes, the read technique. It is a horrible. So in that situation, where would I put my bet on the success on the read technique or somebody behind a screen? A hundred percent somebody behind a screen. I think somebody behind a screen would actually have a leg up on that situation and being able to have a real life conversation with another human being and not a power trip. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I got lost. <laughs> yeah. I think that there are a lot of things that can can be pointed out. And I'm not even trying to go down the rabbit hole of, uh, you know, uh, let's bash police. I'm super pro police. I, I if something's wrong, I'm the first one to call 911. I expect my police to do what they're supposed to do uh, and what they're hired to do and serve the public. And I support them and I'll do continue paying my taxes like I need to. But supporting police doesn't mean blind faith. Right. Yeah. You I don't I, mean? I don't believe in blind faith. No, never. With anybody I don't believe in blind faith with family members. Yeah. That's a flawed idea. Uh, but like, what is the point of talking about this? Like, what what's the point of saying there's no difference between an investigator online and a cop and like an actual investigator with a badge, um, besides their access? And, and when you're just talking about investigation. What like it's a huge deal within the true crime community. I mean, people, if we're sticking it to the Idaho four case, you have a whole bunch of people out there. Uh, and it doesn't matter if people think that he's guilty or people think that he's innocent. Um, but uh, they there we go. Um, but they will um say things like, you know, leave it to the investigators, you guys don't know what you're doing. You're causing more problems than you're helping. Um, and it's a big deal because all of those are flawed statements. Anytime you're expecting a person in any community, I just happen to be a part of the true crime community and happen to be investigating the Idaho four case. Uh, and anytime somebody tries to suggest that you share information less, it doesn't matter what it's about, but right now where it's about true crime and Idaho four, um, that's a problem in my eyes. And in order to share and show the community and our viewers that problem, we got to be able to draw the connections and lines to prove it's a problem and to prove there's flaws in those ideas. Leave it to the investigators. Because from what I'm seeing, the investigators are less likely to succeed than somebody that has a connection to human beings behind a screen when it comes to conversation. 
That's how flawed the read technique is. So there are some situations out there based on where you're at in the U.S. Like it, when it comes to, um, isn't it that Wisconsin City? Oh, I'm having an ADHD moment right now. Where was uh, the Netflix video from when we were talking about police corruption? Uh, Baltimore. Baltimore, okay. When you're in Baltimore, you're more likely to get a corrupt cop than you are to get a a, a fair cop. Hmm. So in that city, if you're investigating a Baltimore crime, does it apply to say, let the investigators do their job? Where is this line drawn? Science requires a line. Always. There is always a line in the sand. Where is that line? Where is too much? Do you get what I mean now? Yeah. Yeah. No, I absolutely get it. Um, it's one thing to make a statement of this is a problem in the community. We need to do this. Okay. Well, why? Like, well, yeah. I mean, why? I've had an issue from the beginning where like the mainstream media will say, well, I don't want to speculate and then go on to speculate. Literally. And then condemn, speculation. condemn anyone yeah. who, who speculates online. And it's like, well, you're speculating right now. Why are you condemning speculation? Wasn't it you who said on here that when the mainstream media says, well, I don't want to speculate, everything that comes after that is going to be 100% speculation? Uh -huh. Was that Every you? Time. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, Every yeah. time. It yeah. is. Every so when single you time. hear that, when they say they're not going to speculate or, the or you know, give un unbased theories or whatever, it's all going to be that following. <laughs> That's super funny. Yeah. Um, but I think it's really interesting going back to that idea where you were talking about the read technique. That is something that is used in Idaho um, when they're talking to people involved in a case and suspects. Um, Here, pull it, up it is actively talk. still used in Idaho from local jurisdictions. Um, we know the FBI no longer uses it. But I find it interesting that you said that it's more likely for someone behind a computer screen with a human connection to get information out of somebody than the cops using that technique um, and accurate yep. information. I actually think you're right. Yeah. Um, I think that you could, I mean, think about how many people get catfished like every day and say personal information or get scammed um, or just make connections with a stranger online and tell them their life story. Like it happens every day, all the time. <laughs> and you have a lot of people who are investigating cases that are reaching out to family members, people involved trying to get information out of them. Do you think that's going too far, contacting people? Because I've yeah. always felt like that's too far. That's where the line is, is starting to try to make those connections to the people involved. And for me, it is for me personally. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so this is the video. Where was it? Where was it? This is what we're talking about right here, you guys, just so you know. So the interrogation room, if you go under um, our what is it? Our playlist. If you go under our playlist and, and go into the Idaho Four playlist, you will see the interrogation room. And this is where we're breaking down the read technique and how unsuccessful it is 
and how every other three-letter law enforcement agency has been using other techniques since the 90s for about 30 years. And our local law enforcement, for whatever reason, whether it's ego, uh, what, whether it's financial reasons, I don't know. But they continue to use this unsuccessful, uh, horrible technique that shows flaws and, and, and false confessions of upwards of 30%, okay? And uh, it's awful, dude. And Idaho's using that, okay? And we're putting all of our faith into these eyewitnesses' interviews. Yeah. That's scary, dude. Not all of it, but there's a good chunk of it. Good chunk of it. That it, I mean, their cell phone records are uh, apparently a big part of the timeline. I mean, and I their hope statements. so. Well, I and Dylan's so, statement. Because that is good evidence. That is solid evidence that I would expect to see. That's not an eyewitness account. So we know eyewitness accounts are unreliable. We've talked about this before. We haven't gone into the science behind it yet. Um, but how the human mind works, where every time you're remembering a memory, you're remembering the last memory of that memory, no, however many times you've thought of it. And each time you're remembering it, there's no guarantee it's going to be the same as the last, like telephone. You know what I'm curious about is if, if there's a survivor in a home that sees what Dylan saw, and then later on, as they the person gets arrested and, you know, they see that person, will they start remembering that shadowy figure in their head to have their face and then think, oh, yeah, that's for sure them when they really have no idea yes. because they never saw their face. They never actually saw any details that could look like that person. Yes. And, and then go into court and say, yeah, that's for sure him. Here's a fix. You record everything at the time of the interview. Yeah. Why are we still depending on people to come? Do you know how flawed that uh, the way they manage They're that is? usually supposed to, I think. A lot of times they do record it, I thought. Then that recording should be Body brought cam. to court and not the eyewitness's statement. Then you could do further questions after watching the interview of that time that is much more reliable much more reliable well hopefully they do stuff like that i they don't always uh it, it, they don't I'm sitting here trying to think of one situation where they were like, hey, you know, we have an eyewitness in court. Let's watch the interview of this eyewitness so that everyone can get an understanding what happened. And then we can question this eyewitness. I don't think they've ever done that. Even though that would make way more reliable sense. Yeah, they I hope that they have the same account from the time they gave it until court. I'm trying to remember if I've ever seen a witness um, questioning on camera presented in court. What I've seen is depositions, which is not a fresh account. Like, uh, you know, they pulled you aside right after and talked to you and it's on camera. Like, it's a lot different in a deposition. I it's think more like being on. It's like it's on the witness stand, essentially. Somebody said if there's no recordings, that feels that screams corruption. OK, Um 
Yes, I agree with you that I've felt like that from the beginning, that in most cases, in today's technology era, if there's no recordings in general, in general, body cam, interview, any of these things like walking the crime scene, that feels corrupt. Whether it is or not, it feels corrupt. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Do you feel that way too? Yeah. I do too. I mean, because I'd much rather see it for myself than hear it from somebody's mouth. It's like objective or subjective exactly. evidence. Yeah. You yeah. don't have to depend on somebody else to tell you the information. Every person that you can cut out of that chain of telephone makes your original statement that much more reliable. You know? Yeah. So I, I am... I am stuck on, regardless of the theories around the Idaho Four, and we talked about this last time in the last video, so we talked about some of the leading theories based on the evidence that we've seen and some of those details with the 4chan being up there in the top three, uh, a drug theory, a drug theory, and I don't want to go into that super long explanation we gave in the last video, but... Um, a drug involvement in some way, not that they were drug dope heads or anything like that, but some sort of drug element to it. Um, to the crime. Yeah, to the victims, to the uh, uh, the remaining roommates, to any of it. Just, you know what I mean? Yeah, just some kind of connection. Um, or, uh, you know, there being another person like Brian Koberger and another person. I think those were the top three that we thought um and i don't know i don't remember why i was bringing that up just now i don't know why you're bringing that up either. i had a point but i uh, was wondering when you first started saying it why you're bringing it up <laughs> well it was good i just can't remember it but yeah um looking into those though those theories um i think there's a lot of really good objective evidence in that you know, one thing that I wanted to bring up, something that I didn't realize before, is that the same time that Kaylee and Maddie were calling Jack DeCore, like their last time to where the calls like just stopped at mm -hmm. like, what was it, like 250 something? Yep. That's literally like right when the cops are right there rosie and uh what's the other guy's name yep i forget his name yep but i did right there in the banfield yep i did hear that before i've heard that yeah that's interesting it is interesting I it is interesting because then we saw the it. four people running past yeah yeah i know and that's and we see that bushy eyebrow guy walking down from the house i know i know it i know it we still need to dig into bushy eyebrow guy gosh you guys i wish we already did this video but there is some stuff there man i so what's interesting is drip drop has said we we tend to talk about similar things or whatever uh and communicate on and off but I've been waiting for one of us to cover him. One of us needs to cover him finally. And there is some incredible information around that background. 
tied to some of those technology aspects. Now, you tie that weird Banfield information in, right, uh, with somebody who's able to semi-control the technology in the area. Uh, I mean, you have everything you need to commit a perfect crime, you know? Yeah, for sure. You have everything you need to commit a perfect crime. It's interesting. So, what Heather said was funny. It looks like he went to the lash girl and had his eyebrows done instead of his lashes. I know, right? Looks like he clipped off his some of his beard and put them on his eyebrows for real. Hello, hello, everyone. As you're coming in, I've seen we got a few other people. It was like a slow start tonight, uh, but welcome, welcome, everybody. Um, but yeah, going back into it, I, I think that, uh, I think that, yeah, there's some really weird circumstances around it. And that's why I keep going back to this idea of what makes an investigator the, the end all be all say in any investigation, right? Because in my opinion and my scientific mind, a badge isn't a reason. I can buy a badge. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I understand that's ridiculous and it's supposed to be a ridiculous statement, but I could buy a badge. So, what makes them that? Is it the training? The training that we've proven has major flaws in it. So you teach somebody the wrong way of doing something, and then they're the authority of doing that thing. Well, I think at the end of the day, the public is the end-all, be-all say. Exactly. It's not the investigators. Like, when we see something wrong, we create groups like the Innocence Project. We come together and we protest we or we exactly. contact we contact representatives to help us like we we do things to try to make change when we see something majorly wrong like look at the karen reed case um that's one that has gotten a ton of attention and protests and all kinds of other things um because people don't feel like it was that investigation was handled well. They feel like there's corruption. They feel like there's something fishy going on. And there's some serious red flags there that I think there very well may be. So, um, I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, we are supposed to be the end-all, be-all say on these cases, on our justice system, on our government. Um, and we should care. Yeah, it's not about hating cops and it never has been for me. I know that there are some people out there that do and that's their own prerogative. But I think the majority of people don't hate cops. They want cops to serve the public well. They want to feel safe. They want to see cases solved. They want justice. And at the end of the day, a conviction is not justice. No, it's not. So when you see. And, you know, we have a video coming out soon that's diving more into this a little bit. We talk about it more. But at the end of the day, when you see a jurisdiction handling a case where they are gung-ho to get a conviction, 
And it doesn't seem like they're really focused on the truth, honesty, integrity, and all of those things. That's a major red flag. Major. And I feel like that's why, even if you weren't thinking of it in that way in your head, that's why a lot of us see problems here. Because that doesn't seem like the goal. The goal seems to be a conviction. Right. And And that shouldn't be. And another important thing to remember is a lack of evidence doesn't mean that it's not true. Right. So we just talked about this the other night on one of our videos, but like, I can't tell you how many content creators out there. It's even today I was looking, uh, looking up like tunnels with the one, one, two, two case now. And just to give an explanation, I don't think that I, I don't think tunnels are a huge importance to this crime, but they could be, okay? But they could be. I don't think they are, but they could be. And there are so many content creators out there that put people down, put people like Drip Drop down, which does Drip Drop get a little crazy with his theories? For sure, but there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, There's nothing wrong with creating speculation and then trying to draw connections to those. Um, But with this tunnel, with these tunnels, people are like, you're so ridiculous for bringing this tunnel information up. It's it's over the top. It's this, it's that, it's other. Uh, And maybe maybe it is. But then you have people that are saying things like, well, show me the evidence that there's a tunnel. If not, you know, people need to stop talking about it. I mean, so if. If they can't show you a picture of something, that means it's not real? You know what I mean? If a tree fell in the forest and no one was there to see it, did it really fall? Did it fall? Or is gravity real? No one can prove it, but when you jump, do you float to outer space? It's real. I mean, honestly, to be completely honest, on the guilter however you want to say it, side of the internet that believe Brian Koberger is absolutely 100% we have a lot of guilty, people that believe he's guilty, which that's community. fine. That's absolutely fine. But on that side of content creation, there's theories oh. about Brian Koberger that are equally sound ridiculous. And then when you look into them, their supposed evidence is ridiculous. I agree. <laughs> Great point. It's, Great point. And, and it, I mean, and to be you clear, have to be fair. You have to be fair. Like, how are you going to make someone you don't actually know if they're guilty or not? You think they're guilty. And we don't think he's guilty or innocent. Just no. to be clear, we have no idea. We're worried about no. the investigation, not Brian Koberger's guilt or innocence right now. So, but right. Ahead. Exactly. Um, but uh Creating those kinds of theories around a suspect who could potentially be innocent um, or his family and then say shame on you to everyone who's doing it on the other end, speculating about his innocence. Like that's that's hypocrisy at its finest, I think. It is hypocrisy, but like socially i understand why people want to feel that way and it's something that we brought up from the very beginning that for whatever reason people feel like they need to have their opinions uh co-signed by others 
And if somebody else thinks a different opinion, uh, idea, theory, whatever, than than they do, then that means theirs isn't true. And none of that is true. Yeah. None of it's true. There can be two different theories. It's what ends up being able to be proved in a court of law. And are the people who did the investigating and gathered the evidence, can their evidence be trusted? Do they have integrity? Do they have integrity as people? But can the evidence that they gather be trusted? What is the <laughs> science to back that evidence? Because we're going to look into that science. That's the whole point of being here is we're going to verify your science. So I hope it's right. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. It's interesting. Interesting. And this all stemmed from looking into the difference in subjectivity and objectivity in the well, community. You know what? And the differences in You know a really creators. a really interesting topic that we've touched on before is the objectivity and subjectivity in IgG and DNA analysis. Oh, that is that is that is Ugh. one topic that really deserves a deeper dive because I had no idea that it could be so subjective oh, and that you blew that, my mind away that, with that. That TED talk was incredible, Here. but I honestly believe it can go way deeper than what he even touched on, especially after some of the things I've been looking into. Um, a lot of this information a lot of this evidence gathering a lot of these connections being made isn't being done by experts so is there a real difference between us there <laughs> and the experts there is you have people who aren't qualified to read dna reading dna yes like this video right here yeah. this is one of our videos that like we got a ton of people loved this video absolutely loved this video and this video blew my mind at how you were able to prove by reading different dna strands the unreliable subjectivity in this is science like there shouldn't wh how well, the we prosecutors have... and the investigators are directly involved in deciding if this is a match or not right. not the experts saying okay yes oh this God. is this matches this is a match or this is inconclusive or no it's not a match like that should be i can't understand why prosecutors and investigators are able to say to an expert like no that's no i think you're wrong i'm pretty sure <laughs> that signal like that's a match yeah like what yeah what is going on they're here? able to tell an expert they're wrong and that this does meet the minimum qualifications for a match basically it's insane they can they can i mean they can manipulate like they can be in there talking to them they can you know try to convince them basically they can and this that's, is the video i feel like that shouldn't be allowed um well no it, it should always be blind testing it's always. not science at that point no it's it is not. and science is objective well even experts a lot of them have knowledge of the case they know what's going on in the case 
Um, and they make a lot of choices, especially with IgG specifically. They're making a lot of subjective decisions while they're investigating and making all of these connections um, to find this lineage because IgG doesn't it does not find a person. It finds only a family, a lineage. That is it. Um, so, I mean, it's interesting how they can be so subjective and make so many subjective decisions and choices in identifying that lineage. It's insane. There needs to be a, a better process. There needs to be better software. There needs. There's a lot of changes that need to be made in IgG. I think to make it better and yeah. safer and just more reliable, more that's reliable. The, that's the yeah. big issue here. And that's the biggest yeah. concern that I have. And it's, it's what, look, there's very little that makes me offended. You guys, very, 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 very little that makes me offended. Um, however, one thing that offends me is when people try and put other people down like true crime content creators for following an interest they have in a case in true crime and investigating those things. That is offensive to go out of your way to try and make somebody not do what their interest is in and then further that opinion by trying to discredit them because the person that you believe should be doing the investigation is more credited in your eyes when they're being taught a flawed technique. I mean, I think we can all see there's a lot of people on the Internet that call themselves experts. Um, and a lot of those experts have very subjective opinions. Um, they say like you can take one psychologist and another psychologist and they will say completely opposite things <laughs> you yes. have um you know for instance i watched many uh dna experts recently and heard a lot of subjective decisions uh opinions and uh myths and then you hear someone else and it's like it's a totally different story for yeah. instance one example is Bika Barlow. I she do. is calling out the issues in IgG. And then you have other people that are from the FBI who are supposed experts in IgG who are like, heck yeah, this is amazing and incredible. And it's the future and it is not concerning for privacy rights. It's very informed, voluntary consent. Um, and these are all myths. Like, we are not abusing systems. We are not doing anything like that. And then you have multiple DNA experts who talked at Koberger's hearing about how they are abusing the system. And they've literally seen it with their own eyes. The interesting yeah. difference is that the people who are speaking out against it aren't law enforcement. They're lawyers and they're experts. Exactly my point. And that's, that's why this is so problematic, that idea that... Just let investigators do their job. But I know I've said this a bunch, but society owns the investigators like they are public servants. They are put in their position by us, by our taxes, by us paying it. And to think that we can't hold them accountable and verify their work product, that's wild.
wild. And I think we have good examples to prove that well, based on all of the content we've been doing. Yeah. And I, I mean, objective I, data. Yeah. We do have quite a bit of it for sure. Um, and you know what's funny is that anytime a case is breaking, like for instance, the Savannah Soto murder, uh, her and her boyfriend, Matthew Guerrero, Guerrera, who um, just tragically passed away over the holiday season in Texas. Um, what did their family members do? They tried to gain public interest in the case. That is the number one thing that families who care that anybody who cares about the case tries to do. Yeah. They want it to be a major case. They want every eye on it. They want all of these sleuths. They want everybody looking at it so that they can get help, so that there's yeah. public interest, so that the investigators take it seriously. Because they know all eyes are on them and they need to take it seriously. Agreed. And doesn't so, that feel problematic? Because that's accountability yeah. on them. If they don't take it seriously, <laughs> exactly. they're going to have a lot of people breathing down their necks saying, what is going on here? Why are you not taking this seriously? Exactly. So, exactly. so sure, it's a double-edged sword. But I believe what we're all doing here is important. It's it important is. to care about these things. It literally gets victims justice. <laughs> Agreed, one hundred proper proper justice. Yeah, and I saw I saw Mike uh, said, uh, "Is anybody complaining about using IGG to catch the Long Island dude?" No, 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 no. And I I want to be very IGG clear. is incredible. I want to be very clear in what uh, I'm saying here because I have a problem with it. Doesn't make something all bad. We we try very hard to stay away from the this or that idea thinking and. Because there's a problem with IgG doesn't mean it's all bad. There are a phenomenal, incredible parts to it. And they are solving cases that were thought to be unsolvable for the last 50 years. I think I just saw one come out saying they solved an early 1800s murder using IgG, which is mm. insane. It is phenomenal. <laughs> but... Are there problems and is the percentage of flawed information coming out in the problematic range? Because there's always going to be flawed. There's always going to be a mistakes percentage. Like there's no way around that. There is going to be a certain percentage that's going to be uh, within a reasonable range for mistakes. Now, is that in a reasonable range portion or is it not? Can it be manipulated when they want it to be? Or is all control taken away so that it can't be manipulated? That's really important to me. Is the accountability is verifiable? Uh, follow up, follow up, follow up with others and uh, to make sure that it cannot be manipulated. To starve any science of the personal subjectivity and manipulation uh, in, in any investigation. Because again, I think a lot of subjectivity, I think a lot of corruption out there isn't intentional corruption. It is subjective corruption where they believe they're doing the right thing. They believe it, right? But because they're looking at this case through a pinhole, they're making very flawed decisions and mistakes. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree with you. Um, I think IGG is absolutely phenomenal. It's absolutely the future of solving cases, of identifying 
um, suspects of identifying victims. It is the future. I I'm telling you 100%, it is going to take off like you've never seen before. Like if we thought it was solving a lot of cases now, it is not only going to be solving cold cases. It is not going to be used in cold cases the way that we've seen in the past. This is going to become an active investigation technique. It is going to be used in uh, issues where there are public safety um, concerns like with terrorism and other things like it is literally the future. You guys, the Koberger case is really the biggest major case we're seeing right now that it was used in an active investigation. Um, it's one of the first, it's definitely a trailblazer in that way, yes, but it yes, is the yes. future. And I think it should be, yeah, but I think it's incredible. There are no laws and regulations around it other than the DOJ interim interim policy and that's, that's it. not even a regulation and it's not even a law yeah it's not a law they don't have to follow it it's because i it's a suggestion <laughs> because it's just a policy and sure they could get like they could get slap on the wrist for not following it but it's not going to be to the extent it gets a case thrown out probably ever maybe there will be a case that will set that precedent but right now there's not um, because it's only a tip. It is not considered evidence in any case, really, because they always use the STR to compare it to the crime scene STR. Mm -hmm. Like they use the buccal swab to compare it, which circumvents all of the IgG they did. So they don't even bring it up. It was just an investigative lead. It wasn't evidence. Right. Just like we're seeing in the Koberger case. That's how it's written in the policy. The DOJ policy yes. is that it's only to be used as a lead ever. Yeah. And and I don't know if I agree with that. I, I think it can be used as evidence once we have the rules, regulations, and proper amount of well, oversight. It doesn't and identify a person. I, I think it I, should be. I understand be that it doesn't give a person's name, but it gives a profile and a direction. So when you're bringing a case to court, you need to be able to retrace your steps and retracing those steps would be using IgG as evidence to say, hey, this is how we made these connections. And this is how our path went in the investigation. We found this. This led to this. this they should to have this. to show their work. Exactly. It should be discoverable. I agree. I am exactly. It should be. And uh, Rumsey, we watched the uh, subjectivity versus objectivity, which is part one in a three part series into the the scientific uh, findings and backgrounds in like true crime investigations and in the true crime community. So that uh, was that was the premiere before this live. If you didn't get the chance yep. to see it. But and just like how we're talking about objectivity and subjectivity because i know it can be different in different circumstances and things like that but we're talking about it as objective meaning uh verifiable information based on facts and evidence like unquestionable details within a case right so that would be um brian koberger has brown hair you know it, everyone can see it it's verifiable every time you see him uh and then you have subjective meaning information or perspectives based on feelings opinions or emotions of a subject and what i mean by that is like um brian koberger is weird right that it, that would be based on somebody's opinion through their lens of society he, and experiences right. and backgrounds that would make them feel like he's weird and or an outcast in 
uh, society. Brian Koberger is an incel. Right. That's completely subjective. Right. Yeah, it's an opinion. There's no facts to back that, as right. we know of now. Um, I hope yeah. that answered it. But, uh, yeah, the IgG stuff just blows me away. It was so mind-blowing that when you talked about that in that video that we just showed, I I couldn't stop thinking about the IgG stuff for, like, multiple days. Just how insane it was because that I think that information is the first time in all the DNA videos that we covered that really made me realize that uh, DNA isn't a match or not. It is not this or that. It's not ever not STR, not IgG, none of it. It is all subjective reading of data depending on what. The determinants are predetermined, uh, you know, uh, minimum expectations to make a match. Yeah. And which you, is insane. You know, part of the other reason that IgG takes so long is that they're not looking at that unique 1%. They're looking at SNPs across the entire genome. No way. They are. Well, that makes sense, though. But I think that... Because they're looking at your lineage. Right, right. And in... So for all humans on this earth or all the ones in outer space, um, all of our DNA matches 99.9% of it. We are all identical in 99.9%. Crazy, right? 0.1% is what makes us different. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's wild. I mean... DNA has been something that's been touted as like this end all be all. It's either this or that. And it's really not. And I thought it was this or that. I thought guys. it was too. Like I've said this a million times, but through this investigation, right? Because this is our first primary investigation and in case that we've dug into since going full-time true crime. I have learned so much stuff that's going to carry with me for the rest of my life into every investigation that we do. For sure. You know? And I was one of those people that thought DNA is either a match or it's not. Like, that's it. It's either, oh, this is the guy or, oh, no, this is different. It is the opposite. It is not that, unfortunately. That would be great if it was. I don't know what happened to my water. Oh. So how are you guys doing? <laughs> but it just left me. <laughs> With no explanation. Are you sure the house wasn't stripped before the demolition? I'm pretty sure it was stripped. But I don't know exactly what you mean by that. Because when it was coming down, I noticed several people point out that it didn't appear there were stairs anymore. Like, and we know that when they went back into the house and stuff, like we heard a lot of things about how whole pieces of wall flooring were missing, um, that it wasn't like the same house anymore at all. Like a lot of it was gone, had been, you know, removed. 
Yeah, I don't think that they used IgG to find Rex Hewerman. But maybe, if they found hairs on the bodies, maybe they did. Uh, we're still pretty sick. Uh, mine's all respiratory. Brendan had a lot of stomach stuff. But, I mean, we're as good as we can be. Gutted. I mean, they took the personal furniture out a long time ago. So I'm confused. I'm just going over some of your guys' comments. I did um, want to shout out one of Mike's comments from way earlier in the chat where he mentioned deep sea oil drilling. Polling shows the majority's against it, call it oil exploration, and everybody loves it. I thought that was interesting at the time when I read it. I started. Because, yeah, it's totally like that. If you say, I'm not really speculating, and then go on to, like, I don't want to speculate, but go on to speculate, people are going to, you know, swallow that pill a lot easier. It's like giving a spoonful of sugar rather than saying, hey, I'm going full out conspiracy theory right now, you guys. <laughs> Off the deep end, I'm going to get real wild in the conspiracy theory realm. Then people don't take it as well because conspiracy theory is a trigger word now. Does anybody remember at the beginning of YouTube when conspiracy theories were like the jam? They were like everything. No, I was a it late was like YouTuber. you were a cool kid if you were into conspiracy theories until like just some select few ruined it for everybody. I started watching YouTube in the last 12 months. Ooh, Annie, Ann, you just got out of the hospital. I hope you're doing okay. Yeah. That's awful. I, yeah. Awful, awful. And the ICU, that's, wow. Yeah. Speedy recovery. I hope everything's okay, yes. Ann. Yes, yes. That's rough. I still got my cold raging. Whatever this is, man. I, I was out last week. We saw that funny picture and everything. And then uh, I'm still not 100. I mean, I think touch DNA is less reliable than any other source of DNA. I, it is the least reliable. Here's the problem in that, though. I, I think this is a great 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 question because it highlights what we're talking about today what makes any of these more and or less reliable is who's reading them and that's a problem if we have science that we're using in true crime that is not repeatable is not repeatable based on the findings of different experts that is scary stuff well you know what's 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 interesting is they can't they cannot get good lord sorry. Gosh. sorry 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 they cannot get an str from just a hair it has to be the root so yeah, I, I, I needed to I needed to look that up to verify it because I heard somebody talking about it the other day and they're like, well, it was just a hair like we couldn't get an STR from that. We had to go the IgG route. And I was like, 
oh, really? Well, it has to have a root for them to be able to get an STR. Yeah. Hairs aren't as reliable as you would think. Is that going to blink? No. I should have just had that on. Mine as well. But yeah, to me, that's the scariest thing is that it changes for each person. And yeah, I I hope you get pulled through that. And um, so many people are going to the hospital right now with what's going around. And uh, it's not popping up on COVID tests or flu tests or anything like that. It is... Um, it it doesn't have a name right now and and what's going around in like chicago area the the central north and midwest area um it's like an unnamed variant flu something like that i'm not sure but it's tearing people up it is tearing people apart man i mean and i heard S uh, rsv is going around pertussis is going around covid's going around the flu's going around like whoa. so many things i'm on like week number two i just hit week number two the first week i was uh I had my body was sore and I was nauseous. And then I had that day where I couldn't keep anything down, just projectile, you know, <laughs> whatever. And that's the day that you took that picture and posted it, that funny picture where I was walking around with my eyes closed and hallucinating. Um, and now it is uh, all respiratory and moved into my lungs and uh, I just took meds right before the stream. So you guys don't hear it, but my voice isn't the right, isn't right. Uh, my chest is all messed up and it's not popping up on tests. So, oh, yours is pancreas and liver. Gosh, that's scary. Jeez. Ugh. Is, is the sign annoying you guys? I, if it's annoying, we're going to keep it on. <laughs> <laughs> Only if it's annoying. <laughs> yeah, for vaping, people vaping. Yeah, vaping is so much better than smoking, though, because uh, it truly just is vapor. There's only three chemicals in a vape, That's uh, which I don't condone it. Don't do it, you know. But if you are a smoker, like, that smokes cigarettes, uh, and... Uh, you want to reduce, I highly suggest doing that because you're talking a difference of three chemicals versus thousands of chemicals. So you're talking, and those three chemicals are verifiable chemicals. You just have water, corn syrup or whatever and flavoring, you know, so. Unless you get the disposable ones. I don't think those ones are just three. Oh, really? I don't. Yeah, I didn't I've know. heard the disposable ones are more. They have more stuff in them. I do love to annoy. What what were we talking about just the other day? Oh, the house being torn down and um, with it being buried, you know, and I don't want to go too far into that. But uh, my initial reaction when I heard that, like right away is I want to go dig up a piece just because they don't want me to. And I was dead serious. I, I would literally just throw it away. 
like walk down the street and throw it in the trash <laughs> just to do it <laughs> that's my first reaction the punk rock still lives yeah. in me you guys i have to i have to wrestle it every day and fight it down every day it's just a part of it's part of my dna you know yeah no i think you're right mike i'm pretty sure it is smoke because it um what happens to sugar and oil when you burn it it creates smoke it's water corn syrup or corn something it's it's the basic there's syrup glycerin. that you can get uh um, there's glycerin and, in it too and flavoring so yeah but there's glycerin in it too that's it yeah that's it. when you burn that and heat it it creates smoke though it doesn't create just vapor okay okay i'm not doubting you I, I'll have to look it up because I never researched it, but I did do research into vapes and uh, it it does create water vapor because it's like 70% water. Uh, I just don't know if it adds smoke to it too or, or what, but it's not cigarette smoke. Um, right. Cigarettes are dangerous, man, and I smoked them for years and years and years and hope it, every day it doesn't come back to bite me, you know, later in life. Um but uh, so if you ever, uh, no, I'm never right. But I appreciate it, Greg. <laughs> I know so you I'm have more. You have more people trying to stick up for you. <laughs> I I do so much better, you guys, when people doubt me. So like, if you want, if you want to do me a favor, doubt me. <laughs> Whenever I start a new job, that's my first conversation I have with bosses. Is I'm like, look. If we're in like a tight situation and you need me to hit numbers, you cannot be like, hey, Brendan, you're doing a good job. Come on. We need you, man. We we need you to succeed. That will get nothing out of me. Like I will leave so angry that you believe in me. You need to pull me to the side and be like, hey, you suck. You are not hitting anything. Why do I even have you on my team? Like, what are you doing here? You know? <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> let's, <laughs> let's get it going <laughs> for real. I can't help it. It's just who I am. No, no, you don't. You're right. I don't condone vaping. You guys, I don't condone. No, I don't still smoke cigarettes. No, he mm -mm. doesn't. No. I don't. I would be honest with you guys, 100%. I, I am a open book, 100%. That is just a sick cough. <clears throat> oh, that's awesome. Congrats on quitting. Cigarettes are a tough one, man, because there is so much habit formed, like uh, physical habit and being able to take breaks and uh, getting used to making certain movements with your body, standing a certain way like it. It is similar to how a hug feels to some people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. But I. I don't know about you, but I loved this topic and I love the the topic that's going to be coming out as a part two to this digging into uh, breaking down like what is different objectivity and subjectivity and how it adds 
value to each, you know? And it, what's interesting, and I tried to stay away from it intentionally, is so many people out there in the world in general, but true crime communities specifically, look at objectivity as being logical and subjectivity as being more emotional. And it's not. I think it was Mike. I could be wrong, but I think Mike was saying uh, they're one and the same. You can't have one without the other. And that is exactly what it is. So um, that's interesting. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, when you hear people be like, well, you know, they're super logical or hyper logical or this or that. Uh, okay, well, they're hyperlogical because of some subjective reason in their experience, background, and or history. So what that reason is, I don't know. Did it cause them to disconnect somewhat emotionally and lean into logic? Or you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I, I really think there's a harmony between the two for sure. Um, and not always, not with me. There's not. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I think you're more subjective than you think you are. I'm like 80, 20 and I wish I wasn't. I think you're a little more subjective than you think you are. I think I'm like 80-20 and I wish I wasn't because it holds me back in certain situations. So what do you wish you were? 50-50. No, I think in some instances, subjectivity actually can be more logical. Yeah. Like psychology. There's yeah. a lot of instances in psychology where you should be more subjective. Yeah. Well, if I am more subjective, that's a really good thing. Uh, I just don't feel like it because when I look at, like in that video at the end of the video, when I was looking at uh, the the fallacies of objectivity, I hit almost every single one of those. Well, yeah, you're right. You're right. But also, I think that it can be a problem sometimes when you think you're being objective, but you're actually being subjective. Yeah. And I think that's a problem for everybody. When you think you're being objective, but you're actually being subjective. Maybe. It makes I it hard know. to admit you're wrong. You can't admit you're wrong when you think they're objective well, facts. That's... When you're being subjective, then you should be able to admit you're wrong. Like, yeah, there's room for error here because it's just an opinion. Maybe, but... I don't think anything is undeniable fact. I think even science has evolution in it. That's true. Yeah. Nothing is true in the universe. Like there's a, a handful <laughs> of laws. Too macro. Okay. <laughs> Zoom back in a little bit. We're not the universe. We're not God. Okay. <laughs> but we have scientific rules that we follow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but like there are objective facts like Brian has brown hair. Now, if you want to get into that macro sense, you could say, well, light reflects his his hair is actually this color. I don't know. I don't remember well, all sure, that stuff. Sure. I get that. I, I know. I know some truths are more truthier truths than other truths. <laughs> I I get that. 
How can you be hyper logical and emotional? <laughs> <laughs> Just hyper both. <laughs> <laughs> That's super funny. It's a contradiction, but hey, people are walking contradictions. I am we, a walking contradiction. Everyone is. That's yeah. just part of it. <laughs> it's just being able to see it. And I think that's where I've learned to change my perception <laughs> and opinion on this topic. Whereas if you would have asked me a month ago, what's better in a case objectivity or subjectivity or what's better uh emotional perception and intelligence or logic and uh at, if you asked me a month ago it would have been logic and objectivity whereas now after doing all this research into these topics i don't think so i think that uh it depends on what you're looking at and how you're looking at it yeah and I think they come hand in hand. Gosh. Where's my water? I heard a lot of people are getting bronchitis right now, too. Like a lot of people because of these viruses. I hope I don't get the itis. Yeah, dude, the gag order did inflame more speculation. Yeah, 100% did. I think they did that on purpose. I do. <laughs> Mike's always coming in with the philosophy. I love it. Oh, I do too. Yeah. I mean, that's absolutely right, Greg, for sure. I I believe that 100%. Yeah. Now, what what's like I was just saying, I think it's intentional, but what's interesting is is like can we find facts? proving it was intentional because that would be interesting and why what what benefit is there for it being intentional i mean mike my, my i've wondered about the gag order the whole time like what does it protect at the end of the day so because when you look at other cases that are active right now, you can go out and look at active cases right now mm -hmm. and see so much information, so much information. Like there's been so many cases where we've gotten 911 calls right away. We've gotten autopsy reports right away. We've seen interrogation tapes. We've seen all kinds of things of surveillance footage, actual evidence, real actual evidence. Um, and it was before a trial. It was some of it during the investigation, some of it during after the arrest. Like there's so many cases that are so much more open than this. And then you look at this one, you're like, what are they trying to hide? Like, what are they trying to protect? Yeah. Is it their own butts? Because it feels that way. I think that could be it. I have one of two theories. So I either think this was intentional and there's some other kind of information or something going on in the background that we just can't understand or two i think that it's what you said and you have a police force moscow pd that had no idea what they were doing they were handed a giant case to be the biggest case in the entire world with a ton of different details and factors and different ways that this could have gone. And they had no clue what they were doing, literally no clue whatsoever. They've never dealt with 
any any crime scene similar to this for a single person, let alone four. Like their MO is dealing with drunk Greek fraternity kids and students and, and ODs and things like that. Um, so they uh they were in over their heads, slapped the gag order on it, not thinking. And then, and then realized after they asked the prosecutor to jump through hoops, get all this stuff done, they realized like they can't take it back. So it, it's just mistake after mistake and trying to make it seem like it wasn't a mistake. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't know which one it actually is. I have no idea. I know that they weren't ready for this crime. That is one thing I know. You can tell based on the quality of the investigation, and it doesn't matter if you think he's guilty. It doesn't matter if you think he's innocent. None of that matters. You can look at the quality of the statements. You can look at the quality of the firsthand accounts. You can look at the quality of the evidence and tell that these guys didn't know what they were doing. That's not a question. The question is, can... As gnarly as their investigation was in a bad way, uh, can that hold itself together to actually prove who did this? I don't know. I don't know either. It's a scary thought, though. I just, I mean... You kind of, I feel like you went off on a tangent a little bit. <laughs> but, Duh. Yeah. <laughs> I got lost in my own head there for a minute. But um, I just, do you think there's anything else they could be protecting? Like, I mean, do you think are you really about some of the theories that are out there right now? Like uh, a, um, a drug distro ring, a, um, uh, the the church connection weird cult type stuff like what is that what you're meaning like could that be a reality well i mean usually when a gag order is put on the case you hear the gag orders to protect the integrity of the investigation the reputations of the defendant the reputation of victims like you know things like that and yeah. it's like in this case, do we really think that's what it is? No, it's trying to protect the police, probably, because of how bad they messed up this case. Right. Like, that's the that that would be the answer that has integrity is is protecting the defendant, even though I don't think that should be the case. I think it should be open. Agreed. But um, I don't feel like that is the honest answer from them. I definitely feel like it's something else. It's just the question of what it is. And if, if it is, say, a drug ring or something, you know, like that, then were they involved in it? I mean, because why would they protect the only option? Is it? What what other option could there be? Okay, for that instance, they're protecting an investigation, instance, so they falsely arrest somebody. Well, with like a drug ring, for instance, would they be protecting that because they were involved in it, or protecting that information getting out there because it's a college town and they let it they 
drop the ball with it essentially and they don't want people knowing moscow okay. is an unsafe place to be okay. because they are not up on their you know stuff and making sure this kind of thing isn't going on there okay i got you now so that is another small town possibility that i think is a really good possibility so essentially they're worried that they had all this going on under their nose and they never did their job to shut it down. And now they're like, oh, no, the whole world is in our noses now. And we can't let them find out that we got all this dirt going on in our backyard. And also, right. And to talk about the fraternity specifically, because we know there's been <laughs> we know major, they own the college. We know they own colleges. We know that they almost entirely fund colleges. Um, so. And we know Sigma Chi specifically is was has been at risk of losing their national chapter. Like they, <laughs> yeah. the whole thing could get taken out of America. Yeah. No Sigma Chi is in the U.S. Right. So, and also, if a college has something like this happen in this small college town, and it's a fraternity that's been out of control that they have continued to go soft on and then something like this happens like it's in every is it not in everyone's vested interest to protect it it's in sigma chi's best interest because they're at risk of losing their entire national chapter i agreed so and they, i think that's I a think, good, great way of explaining I, that. I think they would have a huge interest in protecting their fraternity and not letting this get out because they've already been so much trouble for hazing and deaths that yep. this is like takes it to a whole nother level. So you're proving that there is a very real connection from aligning interests with the fraternity and the university. Yes, absolutely. Yes. I uh, and we, city officials because the city relies on the university monetarily. So is what could have been going on in their backyard bad enough? to not only get Sigma Chi thrown out, which could lose enough funding and or money to have that college potentially closed down, which could effectively get that entire city closed down. Like you're, you're thinking that that's where their mind's going. I think that's a very real world possibility. I don't think that's a conspiracy type possibility. I think it's a real world possibility. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Because that would not only impact financial, that would impact the entire city, right? Especially if they all have a really great thing going on here where we've seen the type of um, uh, salary raises people have been getting every year. And I'm not putting that down. There's a lot of people out there in the true crime community that point those things out like it's problematic. Look, I... I get salary increases every year. You know, it, it's part of my job. So um, I don't see there being anything wrong with that. It, maybe it's wrong because there are certain people that look like they're signing their own salary increase, which, okay, I, I don't know the background into any of those details, but like I have to sign and agree mine too. So maybe that's what we're looking at. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> Going back to what you were saying, yeah, yeah, I think it's a very real world possibility that could include everybody involved there, and uh, and I think ego comes into play, monetary gains come come into play, a, a lot comes into play with that.
I mean, yes. I, I also think that could explain the like lock them up, throw away the key mentality. The gung ho conviction mentality is to also like they need somebody. And we talked about this before why money matters in that video with the Idaho four case and many content creators. Like, there's been many discussions around this of getting an arrest is is helpful like that getting that arrest is important for the continuation of the university and the town like and it to function properly it, students aren't away and terrified people are going out like because you also you also have to remember that even if not that many people leave and are still going to school there they're not going to feel as safe going out to the bars as at night they're not going to feel as safe going out and spending money they're not they're not going to be out spending money. They're going to be scared to go yeah. outside. Correct. And that's way less money for every business in that town. So, I mean, to have everything working properly again, getting an arrest is important. But to continue that, getting the conviction is also really important. So is that why they're so gung ho for the conviction? Because it definitely feels that way. And um you're going to see this in a video coming up, and I'll just say it now. I, I'm not going to go into the details of it, but I saw an expert talking about some research they did saying that it's basically proven that jurisdictions that um, are gung-ho for convictions like that are way more vulnerable to error, way yeah. more vulnerable, and that's data. And um it's because they're not focused on integrity of their investigations. They're not focused on being honest. They're not focused on the right things. They are focused on a conviction only, which that's means they will do science. They will do anything to get that conviction. That, that's why science focuses on blind testing and data and uh, the scientific number of at least three tests and coming to drawing your conclusion that way because otherwise what is a test if you're putting together you know a couple actions to create a, a best guess or estimated reaction when you're manipulating it in your favor it's not that is not science we are not figuring anything out you are building something at that point you are not figuring anything out you're building something for sure so, yeah. Yeah, maybe it shouldn't be called building a case. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? It should be finding a case, sol solving a case. I don't know. Yeah, solving it. You're solving a puzzle. Yeah, you are. Yeah. You are. It's a big puzzle with many moving parts. Every case is. Anyone need a drink? <laughs> Pebbles. Just hop yeah. in the chat and said, anyone need a drink? I mean, I got some water. Do you want some water? Yes, I need <laughs> some water. <laughs> Here, cheers to water. <laughs> That's super weird to think about, Mike. Babies have what is reluctantly referred to as oceanic consciousness. Their entire world is one big happening. Once you gain the concept of doing, a sense of I developed that does the doing. Mm. 
I know like that's why it's important to play peekaboo with babies is because when they can't see you, they don't know you're there. Like you could just be covering your eyes, your face like this, and they think you're legit gone. Yeah. That's why it's like so shocking. <laughs> mm -hmm. They don't understand. But it helps them develop that part the of concept. their brain. Yep. Yeah. Well, it literally helps mold their brain. It helps develop their brain. Yeah. Yep. Super Absolutely. Yeah. You don't Object know what you don't right. know. It's just not there. You know, that's the that's being able to tell when something's wrong. You can't tell when something's wrong if you don't know what is wrong to begin with. Object permanence? Is that what you're talking about? No. But, <laughs> I mean, it's the same idea, concept that we're just talking about. So, yeah. I'm trying to get back on track. Okay. Yeah. Off of babies. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah. Let me go back to, I had some really good questions. So I saw also Rumsey mention Scott Green's actions reflect him protecting his deal of buying the University oh, of Phoenix. What? Yeah. You think so? Um, yes, I think absolutely. I was just trying to decide how I wanted to come into that conversation because I forgot that Scott Green is that is on our, uh, is on our thumbnail because I wanted to talk about him. Um, but uh, yeah, I think there's a ton of information to Scott Green and um, it, it, he's going to be a deeper investigation too. Did you know Scott Green is what you call uh, an, an uncommon president? He has no further schooling. What do you mean? So most presidents of universities have a doctorate. <coughs> okay. A lot of that, most have a doctorate, but the remainder of those uh, are either a bachelor or master's. Like they understand school. They went through school. They take part in school. He never went to school. He never went to college. He never went to school where there's nothing wrong with that. You guys, I am not somebody who believes everybody needs to go to college, but if you're going to be the president of a college and the rest of the peers in the world are expected to have a doctorate and at bare minimum a master's in supporting experience, and he doesn't have any schooling, that is problem. That is a red flag. He has no schooling. None. Zero. Zip. Oh. Nada. I, is that what you sent, Heather? I know. I meant to tell you. Heather sent you some stuff she wanted you to look at. Oh, I didn't look at it. I didn't. He's a finance guy. He has a master's from Harvard. No, I, I, there's two different Scott Greens out there. There's one that's an investor when I was doing my investigations into him. Um, he is not from everything I can tell. The, the difference in the investigation is the middle name. There is a Scott something green, a Scott C green, and a Scott I green. And uh, the Scott Green for the university has no furthering education. When he got hired, I found his hiring, uh, you know how they give like a, a one pager of who somebody is. It says that he was uh, an, not, he, they didn't use the word uncommon. They said 
something like um un, not standard or whatever uh president before and then they highlighted his career as an experience so yeah it's interesting it's interesting but the whole time I was looking Scott Green up, they, it's intermixed with this other Scott Green that is a stock trader. And that Scott Green did go to college. And that up- Scott Green is worth like, you know, uh, tens of millions of dollars. This Scott Green isn't worth 10 million. He's worth in the millions, but he's not worth 10 million. Then how do you get all of his money? I, I'm not that far in the investigation yet. Okay. Not there yet, but it's interesting, you guys, because it makes me wonder when you don't have um, when you don't have the basics and a background of uh, education when it comes to a position, then you are expected to lean on your experience. Right. Well, he's never been a president before of a university, so he doesn't have that experience there. So it makes me wonder, is this guy a salesman? Was this partnership or buyout of Phoenix University planned a long time ago and they brought him in to close this deal? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not sure. Not sure, not sure. I mean, we can dive more into it later. Um, But yeah, because I know a lot of people are disagreeing with that, but we'll, we'll look more into it. Yeah. You said your investigation's not done. So. Yeah. Yeah, I don't mind if I'm wrong. If I'm wrong with something, then I'm wrong with it. But uh, the few hours that I have put into this is what I'm going to share. And actually, I think I have the middle initial wrong. I I think there's literally two Scott Greens with the same middle initial. I forget what it is without having the information pulled up in front of me. But it's interesting. When you Google Coomer Scott Green, you guys... Um, the first thing that po- pops up on Google is C. Scott Green. It shows pictures of him. And the description, which I'm is from Wikipedia, says, Coomer Scott Green is an American businessman and academic administrator serving as the 19th president of the University of Idaho in Moscow. Green took office in July 2019 and has been characterized as a non-traditional choice for the role, as he has neither a doctorate nor a background in higher education. Right. Yeah. So I don't know if that, I mean, if he doesn't have a background in higher education, what does that even mean? So um, he graduated from Boise High School. He earned a bachelor's degree in accounting in 1984 from the University of Idaho and then earned a master's. So how can you say he doesn't have a background in higher education? Why, Why would they even classify him as that then? So I don't use Wikipedia normally. I didn't pull up Wikipedia. And like I said, uh, from everything I saw, I could not track any. uh, Wikipedia can be edited, you guys. Um, Yes. So uh, I cannot find any 
any uh any yeah, but graduations. High, higher education so. isn't just a PhD. What what it's I found is that he has nothing. Literally no bachelor's or masters. But yes, yeah, so yes, he has no background in education, meaning they took a businessman and put him in this position. But um I I just haven't got that far yet into my investigation. It's interesting though. Okay, I see what you're saying now. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. He runs it as a business. Okay. Well, I'm not sure why they put him there. They had to put him there for a reason is where I was going with it. They 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 put him in that position for a reason. For a reason. <laughs> Did he print his degrees on eBay? <laughs> Probably. Probably. That's super funny. You don't, the whole point of it is, okay, not not to give you a rundown of who he is, um, but the fact that he got put in that position, when, when a company hires somebody, they hire somebody to fill a position to succeed in a goal, an end goal here. So if they're not trying to run their university like a university, then why did they put him in that role? Because it's a university. Yeah, and there so are tons of successful universities. So that's like saying, hey, we created the wheel, but we want you to do it. You, We want you to use a square wheel instead. You know what I mean? Instead of a round one. So even though we have a working one, he's a non-traditional role because typically presidents of a university would have a background in their education being in, in education, education, doctorate, everything like they they would have education in educational management concepts, sociology, bachelors, a doctorate, be heavily invested in the educational system um maybe professor anything like that and he doesn't have any of that he is a he is the oddball hmm. it is very uncommon not just a little uncommon like try and find another <laughs> uncommon yeah and i we understand a university is a business but typically uh, everything is though that, that's like a cop is. out saying oh university is a business Everything's a business. It all takes money yeah, to run. It is. Um, but that is not how education is ran in the U.S. They they all have their business management down, their concepts down. They're they're they all run the same way, and they run successfully. They're some of the su most successful businesses in this country. Um, but why do it different then? Yeah. Why? Why? Why him? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Why him? I would be curious. I think there's an end goal there. That's why you go a different route because you're looking for uh, a different outcome than work a working one. Yeah. Like the the round wheel wheel and square wheel. You know. Interesting. Very very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's to I think it's for the uh the University of Phoenix deal. 
I think there's something to that. Something was going on. Something wasn't working. Something in the back end that we're not going to be able to understand that the board of directors understands. Maybe these guys were bleeding money. I don't know. Maybe uh, their town wasn't big enough. Maybe everybody's moving away from that area and going to coastal universities. Uh, maybe, I, I don't know. Without being able to see these metrics, without being able to see the the what the YOY metrics on universities on a national scale, I don't know what that reason could be. I'm hoping to be able to get better insight into that to find out why he was put in that position. Was he just a shoe in because he's from that area? Because that's pretty effed up if he is. Yeah. You know? No, I think it's a for sure. It's there's a choice. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a conscious choice. And it's interesting that that deal with the University of Phoenix happened with him there. Yeah. Like, is that typical? How many schools, uh, online schools, like, or schools have merged like that? Well, schools have merged, and uh, schools run very similarly to banks, which is funny with the way that they have money coming in and money going out and the way they manage their money in the stock market and through bonds and things like that. Um, so yes, it's common for schools to buy out other schools where essentially the, uh, they'll get another campus, uh, an off campus, uh, learning center. And all those students that were in that school will just get a shoe into that school. Um, it's not as common with banks, but it is common. Like it's not uncommon, but, uh, taking over a massive, online schooling system one of the biggest in the country regardless of the gossip and drama and all the problems it had with it it was massive like they've done a lot online and uh they they were blowing up bigger than a lot of them out there that's uncommon that is uncommon hmm. so because schools make a lot of money from having students that come to the campus yeah. And the Phoenix University or University of Phoenix, whatever. I always say it backwards. Um, that did everything through online portals. So what wasn't working on that campus? Why did they need online schooling to keep their head above water? Were they making a bigger play to expand and turn into something different? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. It would also, I mean, it's interesting when you're thinking about the handling of this case and him being a businessman and, and handling everything like a business. Do you think that background knowledge makes tearing down the house make more sense? Or does it still not make sense? I still, I don't think it makes sense uh, either way. Um, you know, His position, like, yes, they're businesses, but I want to make sure and like triple highlight the fact that, hey, this is not common putting someone in his position. It is so uncommon because universities already have board of directors, you guys like that's other evidence that a university is going to run like a business because all the presidents have bosses. They aren't the owners of the school. They are just the head of the school that's making decisions on campus there. They're making educational decisions 
on campus. They are managing the on-site financial aspects uh, and, and sending that up to the board of directors who really run the school and are really making the money moves. Those are the businessmen or the board of directors. Hmm. A lot of board of directors are associated with the school. That's pretty common. Um, but the roles are very different. And I, I see you, um, Heather, I see, I see, I see your, all your comments. Um, Brendan, you just need to check your messages from her. Yeah, I will. I promise. She's, she told I me the other day, she's been sending you a bunch of stuff and I don't think you've seen it. I have you guys with, with this remodel and a couple other things that I've had He's going been on busy and like, sick, <laughs> super busy and super sick where yeah. I was trying to figure out if I had time to take a shower before I got on here. Like, that's how busy I was debating. Like, am I too smelly? Can I skip a shower right now? And you know, when you're, when you're debating, if you don't have time to do that, you're busy, you know, what was that tone? Not right. Should I have made it more like busy? No. Oh, okay. It's just your smelliness. You really stink. You should have took that shower. Hey, I didn't have time. It was either shower or eat. You know? Gotta do one of them. I picked eating over a shower. Probably wise. I, you know, I really debated eating in the shower. That would have so been wiser. I was just reading your comment, Rumsey. Um, so, yes, we talked briefly about that deal. I just don't know the details about it, you guys. I can make uh, I can make baseless speculations all day long of what I think it is, uh, but I don't have the evidence right now because I am very, very, very fresh into looking into him, all right? And it, uh, it sounds like Heather sent a whole bunch of information, which I appreciate it, but based off the little bit of information that I did get, on Scott, like I said, there's there's two or three. I need to pull up all my links I have saved, but there are multiple different Scots out there, and I think people are mixing up the two. Um, but uh, they're confusing this Scott Green with like a mega rich businessman that was way more successful than this Scott Green was um, when it came to business, but. Um, I'm still looking into all that stuff. So I, I will put it together and put it together in a case format once I get caught up and verify and have everything in front of me. I'm just going off the cuff here uh, of what I remember. So a lot of this information is probably just baseless speculation. Um, some of it could be wrong for sure. But uh, the ideas around him being put in that position hold true regardless of what those details are. Um, you can look him up anywhere. He is very uncommon leader and it feels like it could be small town favors. Um, it, he, maybe he was put in the position to make the 
the Phoenix uh, University deal happened? I don't, I don't know. But I do know anytime you see an uncommon decision made, that's a flag that you got to follow. You know what I mean? There's a lot of weird stuff in this investigation. Anything weird that flags needs to be looked into further. Yeah. I got nothing against the guy, but look, just you're just a victim of circumstance, Scott Green, you know? Um, sorry. I would yeah. hope that if I was in his shoes and a similar crime happened, everyone would look into me, you know? I think that's right, fair, just what we should be able to do. So... I'm excited to share the part two of this topic. I really enjoyed researching the part two of it also into the more science information and how we investigate these cases and the best way to investigate these cases, like in on a theoretical sense. It's the ideas. I'm an ideas guy. Like I can figure out most of these theories and opinions and ideas in my head. Um, so for me, what's interesting is the think tank aspects of drawing these co connections and conclusions of like compare and contrast, uh, research, uh, verifying the investigation, you know, um, evidence that the investigators supposedly took. Yeah, I, f I, I found it very interesting as well. I like that you covered it. I think it's interesting. I think it's a important talk topic to talk about when you're talking about true crime, because, for instance, as an example, um, one issue that I've seen in school is that I was in critical thinking classes, but Love that one. was a very, very small minority of students who were got that opportunity you had to have i don't know they did testing you had to score a certain level on these tests to be able to even get into that class and the amount of kids that were able to take it was a very small amount mm. and i think that is an injustice to society yeah. i think critical thinking should be part of all curriculum in grade school and high school like it shouldn't be a singular class it should be involved in everything that you do um so i mean i don't know why they do it that way in america i think it's wrong um yes, the problem with schooling is that they are teaching memorization not how to learn i know so when we go into talking about true crime cases i think it, there's value there in talking about how to investigate how yes. to learn and how to think about ideas in the correct format because again it's not important that we memorize anything what's important is that we're drawing the right conclusions yeah i agree with you a hundred percent or that we know how to learn yeah it's how to critically right. think yeah yeah it's we got to redirect our brain to draw these connections right in the right fashion follow the right line to make these connections because if you're just memorizing everyone else's connections then you're not drawing any of your own right you're never going to discover yeah. anything new yeah 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 absolutely absolutely but a lot of you probably know this 
to be honest, a lot of you are extremely intelligent and are definitely critical thinkers. Oh, yeah. Way more than I am. Way more than I am. I see it in your comments all the time. I'm just a mega dummy. I just pretend to be smart. Everything that comes out of my mouth is just from comments left from our community. And I just adopt them as my own. Are you being serious? Duh. <laughs> I don't have any ideas of my own. Critical thinking is what makes nursing school as hard as it is. Yeah, I I agree with you. I agree with you. And and what's interesting is uh, I've always thought that about uh, nurses too, and having to deal with the behaviors of the patients is a, a much bigger problem initially than a lot of doctors have to go through. But I will say there's a certain select doctors out there that have um, what are those roles called? The the doctors that are like, um, that are there to make connections and illnesses that other doctors can't, like your average doctor can't. What, like a specialist? It, but it is a specialist, but it is a, um, I don't know. Uh, like, Talking about like Dr. House? No, but that's a great example. What was he? He was just like an ER doctor. I no, think. no. He had like that team that had a name. But he worked in the ER. I, I, that's because all doctors have to put ER time in in that show. I don't know. So I, I don't remember a what pathologist? it is. pathologist? It could be, could be. Maybe CH, I don't know. But there's like more sciencey doctors out there that are more focused on like, trying to figure out the human body and, infectious and disease doctor like determination maybe i don't know i don't know i felt like i knew what i was thinking of and now i don't okay. <laughs> so but yes <laughs> he was teaching doctors and bill i haven't watched that show in so long yeah i haven't either it was a great show it's though. a fantastic show I wish all doctors were like Dr. House. Yes. Then you wouldn't feel like I went to the doctor for no reason. They just gave me pills and I have no answers. <laughs> I feel like they don't just hand out pills like that anymore. But yeah. No, not pain meds, but they definitely just hand out medication to treat your symptoms without oh, finding yeah. the underlying yeah, problem. I agree with you. I agree with you. Yep. And I, I don't like that either before finding out the actual problem with you. But uh, I also understand that if it's not a big problem, then they could just, uh, you know, check off the important boxes. Therefore, it has to be these three things, one of these three things. And this medication solves all of these three problems. So, you know what I mean? Like, I get it time management you know it would be awesome if everyone in the world was so rich that they each had their own doctor per family but uh you know it doesn't work like that um but yeah mike i i agree with you a hundred percent i meant to say this a little bit ago but as we're on the scott green topic 
Um, one interesting factor is is that I have notated in, on my file on him is did Scott Green get implanted into that role because of the fraternity power? Hmm? Did the fraternity leaders know some people who knew some people and said, hey, we want Scott Green to take this role. We oh. know that he's not qualified for it. We know he has no experience in it. We know he doesn't have the schooling to back it, but we need him in this role. Hmm. And just going down that same line of thinking, yes, Mike, absolutely. That uh, we, I think you watched that video of ours, and we put we put out the uh, the frat theory, the four chan theory, part one, part two. I think we had a two point five or three or something like that, and we need to do another one on it. But we go over the stats that uh, fraternity graduates donate ten dollars for every one dollar a non fraternity graduate donates that's massive so if a non-frat wow. student gives a hundred dollars every three months a fraternity student is giving it in total right average uh a thousand that's an insane number so tell me who has the power in the schools hmm. it is ran by the fraternities that's a given 100 percent given that's just the territory uh rumsey asked if we can have a critical thinking contest for members on discord yeah that would be awesome we just have to post a topic that like, would be good like riddle type things no not riddles because i don't think riddles Problem solving is not is different than critical thinking. Um, there's critical thinking um, situations where like, so let me think. It's been a long time, okay, since I was in debate and or critical thinking, and they both kind of help each other out. Uh, it, one's just more focused on presentation while the other one's more focused on the idea. Um, but it's like, a community judged and graded critical thought process where you have a topic and situation and you critically think that giving your opinion uh, and breakdown of this topic and then it can be judged by the community. Well, I think we would need judge by the community, or do you think we should pick the like four we think are the best and then put it up on a poll? Yeah, and then whoever for sure wins wins absolutely. And then what do they get? I we can figure that out. <laughs> yeah, we can figure that out. I'm just so excited to have the studio fully remodeled and done and in our new layout it is going to be incredible incredible oh diagnostician yes bam an intern or internal medicine medical detective that's the that's the word that i was thinking of 
though. A diagnostician. Yeah. That's it. I never knew what an internal medicine doctor was. I was like, what is the difference between these GPs? Like, what? What is internal medicine? And every time I'd look it up, I'd just be more confused. <laughs> mm. Yes, I can post the Discord link. I actually should have done that already. So shame on me. Uh, fail on my part. Give me one second here. Last week was the my first week with the new job with the CIA, and it went pretty good, you guys. I mean, not CIA. Uh, uh, the uh, State Department. Pretend you didn't hear that. All right, so Discord link is posted, you guys. Discord link is posted. Um, make sure you check that out. And here is the... This is what I should have posted earlier. And again, shame on me. Fail on me. Um, no, I was never with the FBI. Just just the, the State Department. Yeah, because you're too corrupt for the FBI. <laughs> I'm not even in a cool position. I just look over records and documents for, like, sales overview. It's, blah, boring. Boring stuff. All right, so I just posted the Reddit that we talked about in the beginning. That's really important. Uh, if you're not already on Reddit and understand how uh, Reddit works and how aggressive people pretend to be on there, I don't suggest you join it um, unless you can handle that type of thing and you enjoy that type of thing. I also posted our Facebook and Twitter, Instagram. I really should start posting our Spotify um, because we get so many viewers on Apple. Like 99.9% .9 of our views come through Apple or international podcast platforms. And Spotify's lagging a little bit behind, man. I don't know why. I guess a lot of people don't uh, watch. Spotify. Not sure. <laughs> but what's cool is we were, we were still in the top 10%, right? On Spotify or 5% or something like that. I have no idea. I don't remember. No, we haven't seen that, Heather, but we'll definitely look into it. I've heard J Chief Fry is a really good guy. I've heard that quite a bit, you guys. 
I I don't know anything about him. I haven't done any background into him. I haven't done any research into him. If, if that's the situation and he is a really good guy like that and deserves his position, I really wish he would have been more in this case then um, because I don't believe the lead investigators in this case did know which way was up, unfortunately. And, you know, I'm not trying to just talk trash to talk trash. Uh, I truly wish that this case was done a different way so that we can have trustworthy, guaranteed, positive um, justice, you know. I've heard Chief Fry is a really good guy, too. Yeah. Yep. I, and I think that he probably is. Um, Even I, though I make fun of him, but I, I tease everyone. I think that he was in over his head with a press conference of that magnitude, knowing how much interest was in the case already. Oh, dude, um, he was shook. He was shook. He was shaking, man. He, he was, was scared. He was shaking in his boots in those press conferences. I believe that. And I think he made some mistakes. Um, but he also only knows the information that's given to him. Was Chief Fry ever even on the scene, you guys? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was on the scene. Um, they're talking to to Bill Thompson. Yep. Yeah, but was that like the first day? Um, I don't know if it was the first day or the second. It was very early on, though. Bill I would Thompson assume... was brought in very, very, You're very right. early. He was. Uh, but... My point is, it's not like Chief Fry is an investigator in the case. He's the chief of police, right. so he's management. Right, right. And a lot of if a good chief of police isn't even going to verify their investigators' work, they shouldn't have to do that. Okay, so I understand. Like, I am the biggest advocate to fight for. I believe there's a lot of police corruption, but. One corrupt cop in a giant case can make the whole case look corrupt. One. All it takes is one. Hmm. You know what I mean? And if a chief is doing his job and has the back of his investigators and that investigator is doing that chief dirty like that and is corrupt, unfortunately, it's going to fall on the chief too, but that doesn't necessarily mean that chief is a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. He was only relaying what was being told to him. That was my point. Yeah. Yeah. That was my whole point. He's not actually like actively investigating it. He's just being reported to. For sure. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. So in those situations, that's a really unfortunate situation. If there is police corruption in this and ISP brought it or Payne brought it or whoever brought it. Look, I've been in those situations before when, uh, you know, there was a time where I was managing multiple hundreds of people over an entire half of the nation. Um, and you got to remember that crap rolls uphill in environments like this where you have leaders. There's no way around it. You are held accountable and are a direct representation of the people on that team, right? Uh, so it really sucks in situations like that. And I've had to deal with it myself where somebody makes a really crappy mistake or they're a really crappy person and they were doing really crappy things. And you just didn't know for an endless amount of reasons, it's still going to look bad on you. 
You know what I mean? And I've seen people lose their jobs over it. I'm not saying it should happen, but I've seen it happen. <laughs> people close to me. I have a Miami Vice look. I'll take it all day long. All right. Did I post our Twitter? Because that's the one we've been working on. <laughs> Your beard just looks so bushy in the camera. It does? <laughs> yeah. No. It just looks like a normal beard. It looks beardy. It looks red because I have red in my beard. Just not used to seeing you with a full on beard. No, that's the FBI. The FBI has those really intense grooming standards. I'm I'm a State Department. And I have it groomed nicely, I feel like. No? <laughs> Isn't it groomed nicely? I mean, it can be cleaner. It's just dirty? Yeah, like cleaned up around the edges. Oh, okay. But yeah. you're saying it's like just dirty. Ooh, I like that. My look is really intense. <laughs> I want to grow out. My hair super long. I'm not going to be able to, you guys. But I want to grow out all my hair super long and then shave everything, including my eyebrows. <laughs> yeah. Why? I just want to start fresh. Your eyebrows? People like a fresh start. Are you going to shave your uh, eyelashes too? Can you? <laughs> Aren't eyelashes permanent? So if you cut them, they never grow back? What? Of course they grow back. Oh, they do? <laughs> what? What? Were you being serious? Yeah. You don't think eyelashes grow? I don't know. I don't know anything about so that. So if you lost all your eyelashes, they would just be gone? Yeah. No. Oh, okay. I burnt all my eyelashes off one eye one time. Oh, really? Yeah. You burnt them? Yep. Did you burn your eye? Thankfully, no. Jeez. What happened was I was a dumb teenager bending over in a car because it was windy outside to light a cigarette. And, it and you lit your eyeball on fire? <laughs> yes. I lit my hair on fire. It was the hair that was hanging down and it went right past my eyelashes and singed all of them off. Oh. <laughs> that. That's an interesting story. <laughs> I'm serious. I I don't doubt it. I had to wear false eyelashes because it looks so weird. That is very weird. <laughs> the whole story is very weird. Why? Because you lit your eyeball <laughs> on fire. Um. Yeah, it is weird. I guess. But I did know this one girl that had, what's the name of that 
OCD. The, it's a form of OCD where you pick your hair out. Uh, I've heard of that. I don't know what it's called, but I know what you're talking about. So she like, would literally one strand at a time. It sounds. Yeah. Oh, and she would she picked out all of her eyelashes oh. and all of her eyebrows. Gosh. Yeah. Fake eyelashes get easier the more you wear them. And if you get the ones that have really thin bands, not thick bands that actually go on your eye. But yeah, they're a pain in the butt. Yeah, trick to trick to mania or something like that. Yeah, I think you're right. I've singed all my hair on my body, but I, I don't know if I ever looked at like my eyelashes and stuff like that. If that singed too, but maybe I don't know. You singed all of the hair on your body? All exposed hair. Like I was completely engulfed in flames, yes. How? I dirt biking and I was out at Akatia Wells, um, which is like a really common like if you dirt bike and you're in probably anywhere in the u.s you know akatia wells um and uh we had like 10 pallets stacked up and uh it was really windy and there's never enough gas like that's just how it is in akatia wells you're drinking you're partying you're whatever and we took a five gallon bucket and dumped like the whole thing on it well ended up being the whole thing it started off just like a quarter of it and then it wouldn't light i literally was burning my hand to light it and so we dumped more on it and it wouldn't light so we just dumped the rest of the five gallons on it well it finally lit and because there's so much airflow that goes through pallets pallets and stuff like that it the flame literally engulfed my whole body it was like boom Took me in with it, and I just started running and singed all everything on me. Jeez. Like, everything. And that fire was so hot that people that had their trailers parked that took, like, an hour, it started melting them. And they were, like, 60, 70 feet away from the fire. People were having to move their cars. People we didn't even know because the fire was so hot, we were melting stuff. People's vehicles and trailers and motorcycles uh my son threw a can of spray paint into a fire his dad was there and let him do it when he we ended up having to go to the children's hospital three times a week for his burns he wasn't oh, even no he wasn't even five five yet that's horrible that is awful and burns hurt bad i've only had um a second degree burn once in my life and it was pretty small but it hurt so bad yeah we it's some of the worst most annoying pain look this is in akatia wells and this is what we used to do so hang on uh shout out to this person here i don't know who they are but this is what we would do Cody BA since 94. This is a Sobe bomb, you guys. And this is out in Akatia Wells. It's a Sobe bottle filled with the right amount of oil and gas. And you it has to have a metal lid. And you poke a hole in the metal lid with a needle, like three holes. And it shoots out a massive flame. Boom. 
Yeah. Crazy, huh? And it's really bad when those accidentally tip over. Yeah. <laughs> I bet. Really bad. I bet. You have to, like, fix that. Four Sobe bombs taped together? That's like what the stuff we would do. Where is it? Yeah, it's like a rocket in reverse. It is. You're right. And it, they get, if you, when you do multiple like this, it will suck all the fire out of the fire if it, it's a big enough glass bottle. And so there's no more fire there. Like, I don't know what bottles they're using, but those are weak ones. Yeah, those those are baby ones. They usually will go like 50 feet in the air depending on what glass bottle you're using. It's got to be a, a really strong glass bottle with a metal top. And uh, you can even tape it if you want. But, I mean, it gets so hot it'll burn it off. So, But anyways. All right, everybody. That is the show tonight. We appreciate you and you and you and you. And tomorrow is the start of the work week. And I hope all of you have an awesome week. We're going to try and get our sign and the couple other finalized things done so we can be up and running in the new studio and background. And it's going to look incredible. And it is going to be the new permanent setup while we remodel this side so we'll be able to shoot literally everywhere in here at all times multiple cameras multiple posts we'll just be live all the time every time we're in here just constant live stream okay maybe not that but uh we appreciate all of you Yes, thanks for being here, everybody. We'll see you again tomorrow night, 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. I hope you guys all have a wonderful night. And yeah, I quit smoking. It was a, a teenage thing for me. But yes, Thought please Riot. check out Thought Right Podcast on Spotify, Apple, any podcast provider you desire. It's there. Yes, and this is the True Crime Talk Show, and That's it is on all the same podcast platforms and providers. Right. That's what you're watching right now. And make sure you check out all those links that we posted already. It is all of our social media. All of our social media is also below every single video that you're watching on YouTube. So if you want to uh, make sure you're on everything, uh, make sure you hop on there and check it out. The one important one, I can't believe I forgot to post Patreon. I think I posted it in the beginning, but I didn't post it at the end. So we have a Patreon. We have a free tier. And uh, we make sure that we post our alerts and updates, notifications on Patreon and Discord. Um, and they are free for those notifications. So if you would like to make sure you're getting those notifications so you don't have to depend on YouTube, make sure you hop in one of those and you will get them. So, yes, I hope everyone has an awesome uh, chicken taco tonight. And we'll see you tomorrow. Yes. Bye.